Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on all audio platforms and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. Our guest today is Alice Ryan, a debut novelist from Dublin. Alice studied at Trinity College and the London School of Economics and Political Science and then went on to work as conferences and community manager for The Bookseller before becoming head of Insight and Planning at BBC Studios. She's now back in Dublin and she's working with the Arts Council of Ireland. Alice has a number of family connections when it comes to the literary world. She's the granddaughter of Mary Lavin, the renowned Irish writer. She's also the daughter of Caroline Walsh and James Ryan. Caroline is the late Irish Times literary editor, while James is a writer who also lectured at the School of English and Drama in UCD. Her debut was called There's Been a Little Incident and is described as a story of family, grief and the ways we come together when all seems lost. Alice, we mentioned your family there and it seems like the perfect place to start our chat. You're surrounded literally by all things literary growing up. What was that like? Um, well, you know, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> but um, I did the usual thing where I completely rejected it all. <laughs> I don't think I read a book <laughs> until I was about uh, 17. And actually, I had a really lovely... My parents were desperate to get me to read, you know, the usual. And um, I used to, um, uh, in the evenings, take down one of their... There's books all over the house. And I used to take down the biggest one to paint my nails on. And I would paint, you know, like pink or orange or red. And I remember one time my mum saw me and her heart, like her face fell. And she was like, James and I thought for like six months, they thought I each time I was taking down, you know, Ulysses or like I really, really, I always wanted the big tome, the big one, because uh, it was flatter for the nails. And she, they just were like, look, let's not say anything. She's just delving deep into John McGarren. You know, let's leave her at it. Uh, and it was not, it was not the case. So I, I went off. I totally, um, I, I found in school English was the one thing I couldn't be guaranteed of you know um, so I loved economics I went off and, and did economics and it was a while before I found myself back with reading and writing And as you were growing up then did you understand who Mary Lavin was or did you know about that history? Um, you know I, I was the youngest of the grandchildren so I was actually I think I was nine when she passed away in 1996 so um, it was it didn't loom large in my life in the way it, it did in the other um, my other cousins lives but, uh, you know, people would say it to you. It was, I always found if someone knew her, they really valued it. Mm-hmm. But if they didn't, they didn't. And, and you know, to be honest, I think it's a great shame how how um, how she isn't recognised more because her work is exceptional. Um, I did have one moment which was kind of a, a highlight of my life, which was I was about eight when my mum used to drag me to all these things and she brought me to Alice Munro. Now, I was eight. I had no clue. Alice Munro is now my favourite writer. Right. But sitting up, um, Alice Munro said, um, oh, you know, I'm delighted to be here in the home of Mary Lavin. And I thought, oh, yeah, OK, that's my granny. Yeah. But now, <laughs> I just, I, she's my favourite. So, uh and did you read or have you read a lot of Mary's work then? Yeah, I absolutely have. And I mean, I think she's sensational, to be honest. And I, I think, and I'm not surprised Alice Munro uh, kind of uh, draws on her, her work because she does the kind of small brilliantly. She does the just the quotidian, the kind of living your life. And then these small moments happen. 
um, and they're just kind of magical. Um, so I, I th- you know, I very much came to her much later in life. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be honest, she was a bit of a character around the house. You know, she only wore black, and uh, really? she, yeah, she had a bit of a tongue on her, so uh, she could be a bit sharp. So uh, I think it was you lovely. Stayed to, out of her way <laughs> a little bit, a little bit like that. But uh, you know, you know, I really knew her through my mum, and my mum's stories were just hilarious. I mean, some of the stories were brilliant. And so your mother, Caroline, then was Mary's daughter, obviously, and your mum then was the was the former literary editor of, of the Irish Times. So how did that impact on you? Did you read her reviews? Did you read her work or anything? Yeah, I mean, I do remember saying to her, look, I just don't like book reviews. And her saying, really? sorry, <laughs> that's my whole reason for being. And I was like, you know, I just, I want to, you know, well, I love reviews after I've read something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and the other part of it is like, um, my mum was incredible at her work and she loved reading. It was her total passion. But she was also just a gas character. She was just a full of life person. So we kind of, we had loads of other things to talk about and and be, you know, she was so engaged in our lives, whatever it was that we were doing, uh, that we, you know, for our sins, maybe we weren't, and that's how it should be with parents, right? Mm -hmm. We we didn't need to be in, in, in her in, in kind of involved in her work life because she was at the sidelines of the rugby games or the ballet or the art or all the million things we uh, we took up. So when they got over the disappointment that you weren't delving into the literary <laughs> world and you went off to do economics then in London, but you ended up working for the bookseller. Yeah, and, and you know, it was in, uh, look, I feel really blessed because I think it, I obviously didn't want to study English or anything like that. Um, I loved economics. I loved efficiency. I loved <laughs> making things rational. Um, I did business in French in Trinity and I, I found that it was, I was extremely employable in the arts, um, you know, because there was a lot of English graduates trying to get in uh, to the arts. So um, I, I've, you know, I've loved working in the creative industries and I've always been able to come at it from that angle of, um, you know, looking at strategic thinking, trying to make things more efficient. And then more recently um, at the BBC, you know, my big areas, insight and analytics and and trying to see how we can um, get arts to more people across the audiences. So when then did the urge to start writing happen? Yeah, do you know, I um, it, it was actually a lot earlier uh, than um, certainly my family knew. I remember the feeling while it was while I, I was when I was finishing up at the LSE and <laughs> everyone was turning around and joining the big four, uh, you know, uh, like Deloitte. And, and I was like, wait, what? Like, I didn't know <laughs> that's what we were supposed to do. And I actually I remember picking up a pen and I was always kind of doodling, but I was about 22 when I started to write my first novel. And uh, I wrote for years and years and years without telling anyone. And what were you writing, though? So I wrote uh, my first novel, which never uh, saw the light of day. And it was kind of a coming of age story. And uh, my dad very kindly calls it my PhD. (laughs) Um, My brother, however, like often will just ring me up and say, is there any chance we could dig it out of the bin? Like, it's definitely, you know, like, he's like all those years, all that work. Uh, but no, look, it was a great grounding for me. And I, I think this novel is as good as it is because it is my second attempt. Because some people say that that first novel that doesn't see the light of day is the practice novel. 100%. And what did you learn, though, do you think, from that? Um, so, so for me, I just kind of had all this passion and I, I, I didn't know what I wanted to say. I, I, and I had these people and they were brilliant. And I had a really positive, well, I had a very negative experience in that I sent it out and you could hear a pin drop. Right. And look, everyone tells you those stories. I got 99 rejections. Like, I don't laugh about that now. <laughs> it was brutal. Yeah. You know, I find it so funny when people say, oh, look, it was uh, like... And did you get any feedback, though? So this is it. I heard nothing. And then a few months later, I got an email from Sheila Crowley at Curtis Brown. And it, the, 
I mean, I'm still emotional. You can hear it in my voice when I think about getting that email because it said, look, this isn't a novel. And it went through all the things that were good about the novel, all the things that were bad about really? it. And she hit the nail on the head. And it really didn't matter that she wasn't taking me on for this novel because she got it. She saw what was good about it. She saw what was bad. And she said, look, try going again. So I swallowed the massive lump in my throat. I put away all the envelopes that I had for sending out the first one and I started again and then when I finished this novel there's been a little incident it was the only place I sent it was to her yeah. but the generosity of her advice <sighs> and taking the time to do that I know and I say I know it sounds silly but like I really do well up when I think about it because I was not I was getting no one ever even wrote back I didn't know if people were receiving it mm. so to get that email where someone had read it they'd seen the good parts of it they'd seen what wasn't good and to feed it back it was life changing. So what did you do then? Did you did you obviously put that novel aside and went, okay, that's the end Straight of that. Let's in the bin. Start, start. <laughs> Your brother's definitely oh, going to pull that painful, out of the bin painful, at some point. Yeah. So you started again, a whole new premise. Yeah. So again, that kind of has a good story. I was living in London. I was in um, uh, at the BBC and I adored my time at the BBC. And to be honest, if we like, oh, I never really would have come home. Only we wanted to you know uh, I was going to say get on the housing ladder but that's never going to happen <laughs> yes. uh, you know we wanted to have uh, uh, kids and we wanted to be close to family so I I uh, was kind of looking at jobs in Ireland and I got contacted by Google <laughs> and they said do you want to come to an interview and Brita the interview went so badly oh my gosh. I cried during it <gasps> why? Um, so it was one of these where they were like how many tennis balls could you fit in a Starbucks in Sorry? New York you know this <laughs> oh, I, I actually think the question was how many males aged 18 were insured in the UK last year and I was just like uh and then this kept going on until I was like I don't know and I felt so low and I felt so bad about myself and again I really don't want to sugarcoat these moments because they're at the time you know and I just and I cried which is a bit embarrassing but and uh, I'll never forget because the guy didn't even like he didn't make any small talk he wasn't like oh you know he are just, you like, okay nothing no really? we, like we walked to the lift and I kept being like just say oh you're flying home tonight or just say anything to quell this and he just didn't say anything and uh, then I left the building I cried my eyes out I got on the plane and I just thought I'm not stupid I have loads of ideas and they kept saying to me you know oh with Google we really value people who think differently and, and creativity and I kept saying I swear I'm cre-, you know I, I, my brain doesn't work that way but I, I promise I think differently and I wrote the whole thing on my phone on that flight on the, the whole home. what? the whole outline for the novel no way yeah now it was obviously like it was you know but I, I remember getting on the tube at the other end I couldn't stop I remember that night my husband was like there's a lot going on here. are you okay <laughs> but you know and I just I, I, I had the, I, I was just like I'm going to do something here and I, I can do something and um, but yeah I was really born out of this feeling of like I felt so bad about myself I was like and it just poured out because you do hear those stories that the plot just came to me or the characters just came fully formed and you know is that what happened? No to be frank now I had an idea like I'd had a seed I had a seed about because I come from a big family of cousins and we're all very close and it had kind of just it'd been fermenting of like what if one of us ran away (laughs) and what would that look like and I I think my family is really quite hilarious and I I wanted to um, explore the kind of intricacies of of what that would look like. So how did you go about it? Um, So 
I think I was always interested in the idea that in a family you have the communal thing. So uh, that can often focus, say, on like a granny. When are we putting granny in the nursing home? But then you might be at a family event and you don't know all the tiny, small things that are going Mm. on in people's lives. And sometimes I think, you know, someone could be going through a breakup they're not really bringing to the table or someone could have a big test or, you know, I've suffered myself with anxiety. And at what point do you open that up to the to the wider group mm-hmm. um, so I kind of wanted to explore um, the individual and the communal and where they meet and it's very much I mean it is sort of the classic fam- sprawling family <laughs> novel and I love at the very start of it you actually even have a, you know um, a family tree so that Crucial. we can see who's who what's yeah. what so if, if we get a bit stuck we can go back and, and just check it you know and I loved when I saw that at the start I went oh this is going to be great you know but you're dealing with a lot of topics in, in this as well and I know you're you're drawing on personal experience as well with some of it but we're talking about you know that, that sense of family uh, the grief aspect of it obviously somebody going missing and trying to find them so was it hard to dig deep then to to include that or how did you feel about that? Um, I think uh, definitely like, I guess with my, my aunt rang, ran it, read it and she she rang me kind of like and she seemed really annoyed and I was like what's wrong and she's like I didn't recognise anyone and she seemed really <laughs> genuinely not happy with that and I think it, definitely the, the people the characters are fictional but the emotions aren't mm-hmm. and um, you know look I would be lying if I said it wasn't very therapeutic for me yeah. um, and, I, and I do think like, grief I was surprised uh, when I lost my own mum of how um, not linear grief was. Mm-hmm. And that was what I wanted to portray was that it can hit you in all sorts of weird ways at weird times. It can come back to you and and we're all cope with it differently and, and we can all go off the rails a bit. And, and I think it was important for me as well to have several different characters dealing with grief and, and for that to manifest in different ways. And different generations. Exactly. As well, which is interesting, you know. So how long did it take then to write? Uh, so it, it took about three years, um, but, I, you know, it was really built on the shoulders of the work I'd done before. So I know I'm. I, people usually like to say, I, I don't know, people think that novels are written in like um, really short times and everyone wants to say it was short. I'm the exact opposite because I'm like, it, it, this takes a huge amount of time. So like... I wouldn't lean away from all the work that I would done, say, writing in the first one. Like, you know, if I was to be lucky enough to write another novel, it would be five years, six years. Just take your time doing it. Exactly. What is, what is the rush, I suppose? Well, for me as well, I've just read so many second novels that are got out within 18 months or two years that I've just been really disappointed by. And the second album syndrome. Mm-hmm. So I'm a bit obsessed with like, you know, I will do this novel. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'm going to go back in my hole and (laughs) I will see you again in five, seven years. But I promise it'll be good. It'll be a good one. So you said you went straight back then to Sheila Crowley with this this particular book. So how did the publication come about then? (laughs) So it's it's kind of like um, uh, death by a thousand cuts. So I go back to Sheila Crowley and I don't hear anything. And I'm really a conscientious person. So uh, it said on the Curtis Brown website that if you haven't heard anything after 90 days, you can contact them again. So at 89 days then, yeah, you were yeah. there ready so to go. So my husband and I had a big calendar on the wall and we put in 90 days. And we just very politely, oh yeah, we very politely waited. And on the 90th day, I said, hi, I'm so sorry. And I immediately wrote back, Sheila's assistant, uh, Emily, who's just fantastic and has worked on the book and done so much as well, wrote back saying, we never got it. We're now reading it. We're halfway through. Hold on everything. Okay. So I, I you know, Phew. I was just like, hold it. Like we were just like, you're sitting in the kitchen be like, 
they could be on page three now. They could be on page four. And then eventually word came back and they wanted to take me on as a client. Okay, so that was amazing. That was amazing. And then we worked on it for months. And again, I still hadn't told my family at this stage. And I was going to say then, you say you worked on it for months. So that was obviously the editing and, and yeah. all of that. So how did you find that? Because this was the first time you were going through it. Um, well, you know, it's a funny situation because in my day job at the BBC, that was my job. So I would provide feedback to creatives. Um, so I think I was really pro that process. Um, and also it was the first time anyone really had read it. Mm-hmm. Now my my angelic cousin, Nell, had read it in deep secrecy and she was great at giving feedback. But I didn't know that uh, agents would give so much feedback. And um, again, it was just like, I felt so lucky because all the feedback was spot on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I found it a really positive experience. Um, but it was months and it was kind of like, oh, here we go. I thought oh, I'd yeah. finished it. <laughs> yeah. There was one funny moment because I, I didn't tell my family and I took maybe two weeks off work and I needed somewhere to write because I have a, a lovely, gorgeous three-year-old who might take up the house. And I asked my brother, can I work in his office? And obviously my dad and my brother were speaking. My dad was like, um, she's she off. doing? Yeah, she's off work. So they very calmly sat me down and we said, we know something's afoot. But we're not going to ask it. Oh, there was an intervention. Yeah, they just said, look, and then they said, we know, and I love that phrase, they were like, something's afoot. And I thought, thank you, don't ask me yet, but there may be something, yeah, afoot. Wow, okay, so when did you tell them? Um, so eventually, um, then Sheila and Emily and I decided it was ready to send out, and I, I, I told them, and again, I think because I was so secretive about it, they were really respectful, and they're like, don't, you don't have to say anything. They might have been worrying that there was something else going on altogether, yeah, you know? exactly, exactly, so I guess it was a bit of a relief. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I think they, they, they'd they known I wanted to write, uh, they kind of knew, um, and, and my dad and I had a funny relationship about it, where we just never spoke about it, and if it, if it did come up he gave me one piece of advice every time and that was I would say oh I think I'm nearly done and he'd just very calmly say no you're not keep at it keep at it you know and and he was very keen to make sure that if I did ever sell something it was a done yeah as as well as it could be so head of Zeus came on board then yeah so um, I was actually unemployed at the time so I lost my job during the pandemic and I'd moved back in with my dad <laughs> which at 33 or 24 was like a really tough moment and I was uh, I thought okay I'll just give this this novel this, this one bash and um, then that summer again that Death by a Thousand Cuts Sheila was really excited we, we sent it out and then that's when the rejection started to come right, in yeah. and every time the rejection sounded like it was going to take it they were like oh I love this blah, blah, blah. oh but it's not but, for us yeah. yeah and my wonderful sister-in-law said to me this is what's going to happen you're going to get a new job and the next day you'll get your book deal your book deal and I rang her and I said look I'm, I'm sorry but it was two days later <laughs> isn't it gas how things happen it's though? crazy and you know and again I don't like to sugarcoat those tough times because as I say I was like you know unemployed living in my dad's house we thought okay maybe the book would be the thing um, and uh, you just got to keep, keep at it and looking back now on that whole process is there anything you would do differently um, I think, look, I, I just, I would listen to all these podcasts and people saying, you know, look, just keep at it. And uh, I, I guess I'd just love to say to myself, that is the truth, because there's loads of moments where you're going, yeah, but that was true for J.K. Rowling. Like, it's not true for me. Like, mm. I'm probably just crap. And I think uh, there is very much, um, it, it's a great act of hope. Mm-hmm. It's a huge act of hope. And uh, um, I think there was a few good turning points. One was for me when I realised that the enjoyment of writing was 
was going to be enough. I always wanted someone else to read it. But if I just had to do this as a therapeutic thing, and, and I think the second novel, I got way more out of the second novel because the first one I was, you know, it was very angsty and it was very, it was one of the Trinity novels, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. and my dad said to me, why doesn't your bio say you went to Trinity? I'm like, well, that's a whole genre now, dad. <laughs> I can't even say I went there or else it's a... And then the second novel, I just thought, well, listen, I've now nothing to lose because I wrote a novel, it didn't get published. So what am I going to do here? And I thought, I two things. One, I thought, I, I'm going to, you know, look at humour because that's what I like in mm-hmm. books. And I'd met with an agent who told me that no one likes humour and that oh, really? humour doesn't sell. Oh dear. And okay. I was like, well, look, I'll write a few jokes that'll make myself laugh. Yeah, and that's but that's exactly what it is. And an awful lot of authors who come on inside books say that. They were they are writing for themselves and enjoying the process of writing. And that is ninety five percent of of the way more than anything else. Are you feeling pressure then? It's the first <laughs> book, given your literary pedigree. Um what do you think? How do you feel? Do you know, that's a, such a good question. I really don't, actually. I, I think uh, I feel really pleased, as you say, with the process. And, uh, you know, I have a whole life. I'm very lucky to have a, a wonderful husband and a really interesting and great day job. And then, you know, my daughter, Kate, who's three, is, you know, uh, so I kind of feel like I can retreat any time. Uh, and, and, you <laughs> go know, back to your go back to the other life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and also, I think, like, um, I have written it for readers not necessarily for like press or for critics. So um, if there's one person out there, you know, it's gone up on Goodreads and it's starting to get these reviews and like... And what does that feel like reading them? Oh, stop. Like, it's it's very emotional uh, because, again, just like people get it or they see it. And, and also, I just love when they pick up on something. Everybody seems to pick up on something different and, and love something different. And I guess, you know, for me, like those Goodreads communities, that means much more... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been times in my life where books have really, really gotten me out of big holes. Now, I can do that for one person. That's a dream come true for me. Absolutely. And what are you working on at the moment? <laughs> the day job, <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, no, actually, no, I'm not at all daunted by the prospect of the next novel. I'm dead excited. Really? Um, yeah, as I say, I'm just going to um, give it a, a long lead time. No second album syndrome. And it's funny, with some authors that have been on the show, they've said it wasn't the second album. It was the third one, actually, okay. that caused, caused problems, which is interesting. And what sort of a deal then do you have with Head of Zeus? Is it, is it a one book? No, it's a, yeah, it's a one book. When I got my agent, I was like, I only want a one book deal. <laughs> and, and everyone said to me, you can't say that to agents. But, you know, I'd seen it in my family as well. Like, and, you know, uh, like it can be a lot of pressure having multiple book deals. Um, I know my dad would say that. So I'm really happy just sell the project juice I've created and And you have an idea for the second one Uh, oh yeah yeah multiples right okay you haven't started it yet though have you Uh, no no fair enough and what did your dad make of it or when did he read it actually oh this is gas so he was like I'll read it when it's proof and uh, then the proof arrived and actually my whole family except for me because I was working went on holidays together so my dad you at home yeah my dad (laughs) and my brother and my sister-in-law and my godmother and aunt went to Lanzarote and they each had a proof and I was like oh my god God, I'm losing my mind that would have been a great photo around the pool exactly well it was great because they were kind of uh, they were kind of competitive and they each had their own takes I actually think my aunt Catherine was the one who finished it first which was great um, but uh, yeah he, he was got, you know he said something really beautiful and like, you say to yourself oh, I don't care what my family thinks and I'm doing it for the readers but of course you do and he rang me and he said and he's you know he's not unbelievably effusive and he said um, 
I loved the ending. It was like you landed a plane really beautifully. And I just was oh. like, don't say any more in case you say something bad. Like I just hung up the phone and I was like that, you know. And, and again, actually, my brother texted me last night and he was like, you know, your book has you all over it. And I was like, I spent a long time, all my life really saying to myself, oh, it doesn't matter what they think. Yeah, yeah but, but listen. But um, what family think is is nearly more important, you know. And what do you think, what do you think your grandmother and your mother would think? Oh, uh, well, you know, that's the great thing about my mum it could have been really awful and she'd have got behind it you know and yeah. that's where parents are great now I don't know if my grandmother <laughs> I don't think so at all actually I think I think she'd have come up with uh, one or two things if she if she didn't like her it. sharp tongue might yeah, have might yeah. have come she out was, she was wonderful she was a character well Alice Ryan the best of luck with it and thank you for joining us here on Inside Books you'll find Alice's book online or at your local bookshop now the next episode of Inside Books will be out soon just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details the handle is at Inside Books I or E Inside Books is a unique media production with research by Amy Wynn and if you'd like to hear other episodes just search for us on the various audio platforms and don't forget to leave us a rating or a view. I'm Brida Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production.